What's up, everybody? Philly vs. the world back after some quote-unquote technical difficulties here in the studio. Shout out to our chief engineer for doing a terrible job because, honestly, he's awful. Awful. He should not be employed here at the station. So let's just jump right into it. Obviously, the big story of this week would be the Bleacher Report article talking about the drama, the saga between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. So, guys, the first question I'm posing here on episode 10 who is more at fault for the problems in Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy, or the front office? And personally, I'm going to say everybody's at fault. Everybody. Rodgers is acting like a diva. I mean, we know he has the talent, but how many times do we see a guy with all this talent, all this success, and just kind of, you know, it's just got a big ego? And this is not a surprise. We know Aaron Rodgers is kind of a guy who's outlandish, very just kind of immature maybe to say the least just doesn't like you know kind of just lives in his head big ego great player and everything like that and then you have Mike McCarthy who kind of just seemed to get lazy as time goes on I mean you think about it when when the Packers started this you know I don't want to say dynasty but you thought it'd be a dynasty but what Rodgers and McCarthy could do the athletic talent of Aaron Rodgers and guess what they only won one Super Bowl one Super Bowl if you could go back to 2009 2010 and told me Rodgers and McCarthy would win one Super Bowl I would pit a hundred bucks that you were wrong I'd say they win two or three but no only one and I think it's a mixture of you know Rogers kind of just the star this is my world everyone's just living in it McCarthy kind of just like you know old-fashioned coach he wasn't adjusting to the NFL it was kind of like the NFL has adjusted to him and he wasn't doing a good job at that and then it's the front office who kind of you know wasn't really grabbing this thing by the horns and trying to trying to say Rogers you're the quarterback you're our star you and McCarthy got to salvage what's left between you two to, to be successful, to win games. And you saw it the last two seasons. They weren't on the same page. Their relationship was kind of dim- diminishing by the moment. And this is what happened. They had back-to-back losing seasons. And who are you going to throw out? You're not going to throw away your, your million-dollar star quarterback. Obviously, he's making more than that. You're going to get rid of the old-time coach who's not adjusting to his quarterback. So, I mean, you knew Rodgers wasn't going to be the one out. If I had to point my finger at one person specifically, it's McCarthy. But I think everybody is at fault. The front office, Rodgers, and McCarthy for this whole drama unfolding. Yeah, the question phrases this as a demise. And I don't know if I'd necessarily say this Packers team is at a demise yet. I'd I don't even know dem- what that word meant, so that's why I didn't say it. I'd say, a de- <laughs> I'd say uh, just for a clarification, Chris, a demise is usually a downfall. It, it typically uh, points to why like, can't the you end. Just, why can't we just say downfall? I'd read at a first grade level. Because, because, sounds bad because we have a high IQ here at Philly vs. the World. Oh. The end point of this is, you know, you, you can talk what you want about storylines, and you can have your Greg Jennings slander that he has on Rodgers. You can have your hundreds of teammates that come out and stick up for him. Clips, videos, fans come out of the woodwork for stories like this, right? To prove their side that Aaron is bad or Aaron is good. At the end of all this, you, you got to look at it from a business standpoint and say front office didn't spend on a quarterback who is a Hall of Famer, who is arguably top five. You can argue the coach, but a lot of times us as analysts try to get in the schematics and try to blame coaches when we really have no idea the X's and the O's, and it can really just be a a, a pointing fingers contest. Like, that guy did a bad job. No, that guy did a bad job. And you break it down and you say, there's really no one to blame because the demise hasn't really happened. I can say the front office is a bit at fault for not supplying Aaron Rodgers with talent, but even that will be short-sighted to an extent because you don't know their end plan. So... I mean, I, I this topic I feel like is is too early. I feel like I'd have to see at least another season where the Packers finish third in their division to really say it's a demise. You know, you you could you could mark them as Super Bowl contenders if you really want to be optimistic about their offseason. I think it's a demise because they didn't make the playoffs, and 
Mike McCarthy got fired with four games left. Like, it was just an awful exit. I think it was just a, a bitter divorce. And we all know divorces today, are they're very bitter. Several divorces in my life. It's yeah. tough, you know. I mean, I think this was a demise, but that's not the question. I think who's more at fault here is the front office because they put these two guys together, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Now, Aaron Rodgers is also a prick because – you're holding against Mike McCarthy the fact that his team that he was employed by, the 49ers, where he was the offensive coordinator, where he makes zero personnel decisions, his team drafted Alex Smith over Aaron Rodgers, first mm-hmm. overall. For some reason, Aaron Rodgers blames Mike McCarthy for this. That's, that's childish to me. And just speaks to Aaron Rodgers' arrogance. And the fact that he doesn't even talk to his own family – I wouldn't want that around my team. I mean, his talent is so great that you can't deny it. Mm-hmm. But I think it says a lot. The guy doesn't even talk talk to his own family. But I think that's and short-sighted of you to make a make a judgment on someone's personality. Like, well, say, think about say, this. Say, How about this? Chip Kelly, he doesn't talk to his family either. Yeah, but say Aaron Rodgers has problems with his family in the past and his family has mistreated him or, or, or abused I, him for his his power, his wealth, etc., and you're going to go out here and say, he doesn't talk to his family, he's not a real leader, but, but he evident, may have a reason. It's evident to his personality. And it his could be. Though. That's all it, I'm it could be. He could be an uh, isolated guy, but then again, you also have to sit there and say, they are stars, they're great talent, and a lot of times they do have the right to bypass certainly social cues that we require. But with that, let's segue into another topic involving another team locking down its star, sticking by its star, and that's the Kentucky Wildcats. Last Monday uh, it was released that the Kentucky Wildcats have signed John Calipari to a lifetime deal. And as we know, you know, it's a lot tougher to get the finances on these lifetime deals. We know when LeBron signed with Nike, it wasn't something that, you know, publicly a lot of people are, are, are talking about the numbers as much as just the fact you're locked down for life. With that being said, guys, I, I want to propose, should Calipari get a lifetime contract? Should any coach get a lifetime contract? Personally, looks like a, a very short-sighted move on all sides. I, I'd say even when you're an old man, even when you're established, even when you've understood and you're happy with your place in the world, I think it's super short-sighted of Calipari to sign that deal when it's put in front of him. Should Kentucky do it? I mean, yeah. Calipari's fielding offers from UCLA during that time, and I know he's really committed to Kentucky, but if you let that go for too long as, as Kentucky, I mean, you're losing probably the, the best recruit piece you got, right? And that's, that's your head coach. And we know how hard it is to find a great head coach who can last you a long time in the NCAA, but they have it. And honestly, I think it's more on the fault of Calipari for signing this than Kentucky for putting it on the table because if you can lock down a guy like that, then do it. Just like the Patriots, if they could lock down Belichick for life, they should do it. Just like the Spurs. He's locked for life but when without you, a contract. Which coach would you give a lifetime contract? None. None? None. None. I, I think that there's no reason to, right? There's absolutely no reason to, to if he's a great coach. Not even Jason Garrett? I was going to say, your boy Jason Garrett, <laughs> yeah, you won't lock yeah, him yeah, down yeah. for life? Oh, man, I won't even lock him down for an extension following this past season. I lock him down in, like, a dungeon. <laughs> you just hear the, the echoing claps <laughs> yeah. all the time. Oh, <laughs> Chewing his gum. No, yeah. I don't think anyone, because you can, <laughs> always, you can always sign your coach to, to a, you know, a John Gruden 10-year, 100 million contract. You can always sign him to a monster deal, but you shouldn't sign yourself. You shouldn't lock you're, and lock yourself up and throw the key away. I think that's very short-sighted of a franchise. Really? Uh, Would you guys give anyone a, fr- uh, a lifetime? Uh, I mean, in terms of a coach, if you allow me, Chris, I will say Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, these nice college football coaches. Mm-hmm. I think I would give them a lifetime contract. In terms of a player, LeBron James deserves a lifetime contract. Yeah. For, as, for how much money he generates for the entire NBA, 
He deserves at least $100 million a year. I see why Kentucky did this. They were frightened that John Calipari would sign with UCLA. And it was kind of like, look, Calipari's brought a lot of success here. He's proven a lot of NBA talent. Like Drew mentioned, he got a lot of recruits here. Let's lock him up for life. So I think that's a great move by Kentucky. They know Calipari is their guy. Calipari there and has success. It's kind of like Duke and Coach K. They would lock down Coach K until, you know, he's done coaching. So I get it, you know, and you make a good point. Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, it seems like college coaches, you would want to lock them down longer than you would want to lock down, you know, a pro coach. Yeah. And obviously there's no signs of Calipari going back to the NBA. He's happy and content in college basketball. I kind of don't know if I'd really give anybody a lifetime contract, but if I had to pick someone, I'd just give Terry Francona the re- a contract for the rest of his career. Terry I mean, Francona. He, look about it. He's brought the Red Sox. He he. He got rid of the curse. He won two world titles there. He brought the Indians to the to the uh, World Series representing the AL. I know he's 60 years old, but he's done a great job producing coaches underneath him. He knows how to manage well. He's an he's a coach that knows the game and knows his players very well. How about this? How about Theo Epstein? He's a guy that won the World Series. Well, he's a Red well, he's a brought them. But he's like a GM front curve. office guy, I know, and a lot of those guys don't. I don't have a better GM than a better No, no, no I understand, but a lot. See, it's harder say- to, to lock down one of those guys because Theo Epstein's like, yeah, I've done this with the Cubs, but guess what? When the Cubs start slumping and Theo Epstein's like, I can't make these moves, he's going to want to make these moves anymore. He's going to want to go somewhere else and do what he did there. You, you, guys are just lo- you guys are just looking at, like, the best coaches in their respective sports and what they've done. I feel like those are, like, Terry Francona's great. You know, he's done so much for, for franchises that have been struggling, but that doesn't mean you should give him a lifetime. If we're talking front office guys, I can name a lot of front yeah, office front guys. Yeah, front office. Getting, like, Jerry West would be my number one. out of If you talk about any executive in sports, Jerry West would be first in the line to get in a, all sports to, to get a, to get a, a lifetime contract for wow. their position. Jerry West. Absolutely. No, hands down for the Clippers. Absolutely. But I don't think there's a coach that any franchise, especially professional, I could get with college a little bit with the recruiting aspect, but but as far as professional goes, there I don't see a single coach who deserves – a lifetime deal. Who who doesn't? Who deserves to lose the accountability of their job? To lose the 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 fr- the, the the fear of maybe losing it. And to be fair, I'm not saying Frank Conan deserves it, but if I had to pick a coach, that would be one of my first coaches. And I and I think, you know, some coaches in the pros might be a little skeptical to sign that contract because guess what? Sometimes when when things go wrong, they want to get out of there. They yeah. want it. They want to change the environment. They want a new thing. So a lot of coaches I think would be skeptical to sign that because, you know. If things go sour, they want to move on. But in Kentucky, it doesn't seem like things are going to go sour. It seems like Calipari, as long as he can get these recruits, get these one-and-dones, he, he's going to have success in Kentucky, whether it's maybe not winning the national championship but, but being successful in the regular season and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I can see it more in college than in the mm-hmm. pros. Well, speaking of college, we got to segue over to football, college football, where you know not only is action – not resumed at the moment. We're waiting on draftees to be drafted. Draft night coming up April 25th. And so, with that being said, the biggest headline on everyone's, you know, everyone's noggin is the QB debate. It's, is what QBs are going to be taken in the first round of this NFL draft. You know, we talk about Kyler Murray going first overall and that it's almost a done deal. But, you know, I, I know you guys probably saw that Josh Rosen was in for Arizona's workouts. First one in the building. What a head, stud. For head coach great, Cliff Kinsbury. Great move despite, by him. Despite all these rumors, I think it's really going to boost his trade value, Absolutely. number one. Yep. Number two is even if there's no Kyler Murray in the picture and the rumors are false, it, it'll strengthen them, stabilize them for the future. Guys, uh, you know, you could go, I could go down the list and, you know, I, I, you know, you got Drew Locke here or you got, you know, uh, this guy here, Dwayne Haskins here. 
I'm looking at Will Greer and his buzz surrounding going number 32 for the, to the New England Patriots. Patriots. That's a good one. That's the what Will, I was going The Will Greer storyline is very interesting to see that, you know, what you're hearing from insiders is that uh, there's a lot of positivity going on with him and that he, he's got a good IQ and he's doing well in interviews and, and he's a pro-ready guy, the kind of guy who is going to sit there in the waiting like Rodgers did with Favre and kind of learn from his front guy. I, I think it would be really interesting because the Patriots, you know, sent Garoppolo his happy merry way to go have fun in San Francisco and they got to find a backup now. And, you know, with each year that Brady goes, you know, the uncertainty only rises. And I think this Will Greer storyline is very interesting because whether he gets drafted to the Patriots this year or not, it's still going to be the storyline. It's either going to be Will Greer or it's going to be next year what quarterback are the Patriots going to draft to back up Tom Brady. No, that's actually, <clears throat> sorry, that's actually a great point. I thought Will Greer has been one of the most underrated, overlooked quarterbacks in this draft. And, John, I know I told you that I was high on Will Greer when the season ended, so I'm glad he's getting the buzz that he deserves. I mean, I know there's been some, you know, red flags, getting kicked out of Florida. He's a little bit older, injury, has a family already, you know, and I think that actually makes a great point. Bill Belichick is going to be looking for a guy. Okay, Will Greer, he's, I believe he's like 24, 25. He's older than most of these quarterbacks, so he can learn under Tom Brady, and eventually when he takes over, he might be 26, 27, right into the prime of his career, and I think a lot of teams are overlooking him. I think the Giants are also another team who – is kind of running around with their heads chopped off there in the front office. They don't know what they're going to do. Will Greer, personally, if I'm the Giants and I'm not sold on Haskins or Murray, I'd wait till day two and get get uh, Will Greer early. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. I'm not sold on Drew Locke, although I just saw reports saying the Giants are big on Drew Locke. I'm not big on him. I am not big on Daniel Jones. My top three quarterbacks would honestly probably be Kyler, Haskins, and Will Greer. So I like this buzz Will Greer is getting. Um, as far as like a team that desperately needs a quarterback, I could see Washington trading up to maybe three or four, maybe even five to get Dwayne Haskins. Mm. I think that's a good fit for them. I think although the Giants have Eli, I think the Redskins are in desperate need of a quarterback. I don't know if Case Keenum could succeed in, in Washington. I don't think that he has the weapons or the defense to be effective like he was in Minnesota where they had a good defense, good offensive line, good weapons on the offense. I don't think he's built for this Washington team. I think this is kind of a bridge quarterback or kind of like we need a quarterback on our roster so Colt McCoy doesn't start. So I think the Redskins, although the Giants seem like they want to roll Eli, I think the Redskins need a quarterback desperately. But don't short the fact that the Giants, if they leave this draft without Will Greer, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray or trade for Josh Rosen, I think they did a terrible job in this draft. Terrible job. They need to come away with one of those three guys. I think there will be four quarterbacks in the first round drafted. I think Will Greer gets drafted in the second round. I agree. And I think this is how this is where the quarterbacks are going to go. Kyler Murray will go to Arizona. Dwayne Haskins to Cincinnati. Daniel Jones to the Giants. Drew Locke to Denver. Will Greer to Seattle. Because I think the Seahawks should prepare life without Russell Wilson. You don't think they're gonna? You don't think they're gonna give him that extension that he wants? I don't know. It'll be tough, but I, I think, think they will. You're gonna know I, within the next week. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think absolutely. they will. Deadline's the fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. Deadline is the fifteenth. But I think you should still prepare. No, it, life without Russell Wilson. It, it makes sense. The most dur- yeah. one of the most durable quarterbacks in the How league. How many yeah. times do we but, see? So why not have Will Greer? play behind Russell Wilson. And, and, you know, we've seen that so many times. Teams getting burnt. They're quarterbacks. They don't work out a contract. They're gone. And then it's like, wow, we're not prepared for this. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of look at what the Giants right now. They're not prepared for life after Eli. No, they're not. And they're kind of no, just running around, you know, just crazy, don't know what's going on. I mean, so that's a great point. You know, some of these teams, and I could think of other teams who might do that, maybe like New Orleans, teams like Sandy, uh, Los Angeles, 
who have guys like Rivers and Breeze who you don't know how much time they have left, so it's time to prepare for life without these guys. I think that's a great point to make, and you could even say the same thing about the Patriots. They're going to drive the quarterback to maybe prepare for life after Tom Brady and, or maybe even try to acquire Josh Rosen because maybe if Belichick thinks that Rosen's his guy, he won't mind giving up a couple second-round picks for Rosen if he feels that he's their guy. All right, let's move on. The acquisition of Jordan Howard. We haven't really spoken about Jordan Howard. He's been an Eagle about almost two weeks. We still haven't talked about it. Because technical but difficulties. Technical difficulties. Shout out to our chief engineer for doing a horrible job. And he's got one job here, and he can't even do it. But whatever. The acquisition of Jordan Howard. I personally think it's a good move by Philadelphia, but I still think they need to draft a running back. Honestly, they should probably get a running back in the draft and – look at one and undraft like after free agency or after the draft. They should probably look at a running back after the draft. And I'm confident in Jordan Howard and what he can do and what his role will be specifically in short yard situations, but I know how he doesn't like to pay running backs. And I'll be surprised if he hands Jordan Howard a one or an extension after this year because he's on a one year deal. I don't see how he investing high in running backs ever. So I highly doubt that he'll do it after this year. And I'm glad that this kind of puts away the notion that the Eagles are going to draft Josh Jacobs in the first round. I've been saying that for the longest time. That is not going to happen. They're going to go after an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. At something totally different would probably be a safety, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who plays the star position, which is linebacker, slot corner, outside, and safety. But besides that, I think Jordan Howard, he's a good acquisition. I think the Eagles just need to get a little more improved at the running back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great move. I've been saying this for a while now. The Eagles are looking for a running back. The The Bears are done with Jordan Howard, which I think is kind of silly. I, I like Tariq Cohen, but I think they're going to miss Jordan Howard when the teams realize, okay, Tariq Cohen almost every down, we know how to stop him. They're going to watch film. They're going to learn how to stop him. I think Jordan Howard got disrespected in Chicago. I think he's one of the most under underrated running backs in the league. But his, his uh, production was dipping year after year. Well, dude, look at this. It is – Three three seasons so far, two out of the three, he ran for over 1,000 yards. He had nine touchdowns in back-to-back seasons. He only fell short by 65 yards by going over 1,000 again this season. And it's because Tariq Cohen took a lot of that away from him. And I was kind of shocked to think, wow, with the 250 rushes, Jordan Howard got 935 yards. I didn't think he had that many yards. He was a fantasy guy of mine, and I thought he actually put together a solid season. And I think Jordan Howard's the type of guy where – he thrives the more carries he gets. That's the type of running back he is. The more he's used, the more carries he gets, the stronger he gets throughout a game. And I think the way Chicago was using him wasn't like that. And that's kind of why he had a down year this year and kind of the year before. He still rushed for over, you know, 1,100 yards the year prior when Tariq Cohen was a rookie. But last year came back down to earth a little bit. And I think this is perfect for the Eagles. They got him at a really cheap price. Yes, yeah, six round I think he's a bruiser. He's kind of a bruiser back, could run downhill, could run hard. He could catch passes, too. He didn't really have a chance to do that, but I think if he gets a chance, he can do that. And I think the Eagles, you're right. I wasn't sold on Josh Jacobs in the first round. I think that would have been a silly move by the Eagles. No no running back in this draft is worth a first-round pick. So I like the Jordan Howard acquisition. And, John, to your point, I trust Jordan Howard being a three-down back. But wow. you're right. You know, It wouldn't hurt to get another running back just in case he's not that guy or maybe he doesn't fit the offense. It doesn't hurt. There's a lot of running backs in this draft. You can get a guy in the third or fourth round. It could be a nice compliment to Jordan Howard. You know, this <clears throat> This just reminds me how stupid and ridiculous NFL trades are because you really balance the weight of it, and you say, what's more valuable, a guy, you're, a, a random guy from a random school you're going to get in the sixth round or Jordan Howard? And you really look at it, you're like, wow, wow, Jordan Howard for sure. 
But, I mean, Matt Nagy came in and clear, like, you know, you, you can argue Howard's production dips, but you could argue Nagy comes in and, and, you know, Howard's production is kind of lost in the fray that, you know, Nagy wanted to create for the Bears that ended up working out this yeah. season. I said, I said, if you didn't get Jordan Howard as the Philadelphia Eagles, you're screwed this year. And now you got Jordan Howard, and it's great. Wentz has no excuses. I mean, I understand Jordan Howard. You could have your, you know, your hesitations about putting him slotting him being like we we want you to get all the carries you know we want we want to hammer you with all those carries but you know y- you got a guy like Josh Adams maybe maybe you pick up a guy late rounds in the draft and, and you work with it i think it's good for the eagles the fact that they have this guy this guy who's probably hungry to get back to that production level that he was at before and, and i agree chris i think that y- you give him a volume of carries you give him a volume of consistency he's going to perform for you in the long run i mean it just I, Let's just go back to the trade thing. Like, how does that make any sense at all? Like, like I'm gonna get. Like, what are you gonna do with that sixth pick? What are the Bears gonna do? Are they gonna get a special teams guy? You don't know Howie though. Roseman, I think Howie Roseman just has a silver. You call. don't know though because no, that's tough. Football trade. Think about how up. many guys who've gone late rounds and turn out to be studs. I mean, I get what you're saying, but the Bears were clearly just done with Jordan Howard and they got whatever they could get for him. I guess they felt like we're not gonna use him. We're gonna use Terry Cohen and now they they signed Mike Davis. Those are the running backs we're gonna use. Why keep Jordan Howard? Why pay him? Why keep him on the roster? Guess what? That sixth-round pick, maybe we looked, and then this is totally just, you know, skeptical, but maybe you look down three years later, maybe they take, you know, a, a wide receiver in that sixth pick, the sixth-round pick with what they got for Jordan Howard. Maybe that wide receiver turns into uh, Mitchell Trubisky's top weapon for the next couple of years. Jesus. You don't know. We, you don't know what's going to happen in the draft. Anything could happen. It's all, ske- it's all speculation. It's all skeptical. I think Drew's point was just based off value. No, and I get it. But I, when a team is done with a player and they feel like they have no purpose for him, they're just going to get rid of him for yeah. whatever they can yeah, get. Because get guess what? What's yeah. better, a sixth-round pick or him being your third-string running back, him being unhappy? Maybe they can get something yeah. out of that sixth-round pick. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't know that until he pans out. But, we'll I mean, see what happens. yeah, you see what happens. I am excited because we have a new segment on Philly versus the world that is called what will happen first, where we ask each other two things, and we have to answer what will happen first. So, John, I got a good one for you, my man. Which, what will happen first? Which team will win a championship? The New York Jets or the New York Mets? Uh, I would say the Mets before the Jets. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just because the Jets right now, they just have a young quarterback. Adam Gaze, I'm not confident in him as a head coach. Confident in him as a play caller, but just not as a head coach. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, good good addition. C.J. Mosley, a good addition. Jamison Crowder, all that. But the Mets, they just have – I think they're in a better spot right now to compete in their respective sports. Because they don't have to worry about the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. And as long as Tom Brady's still alive, uh, I'm still taking the Patriots. It doesn't matter if he needs a cane on the field. But um, – What? i got to disagree with you on this. Really? I think that you're being very short-sighted here. Okay. I think that if it was what team is more likely to win a championship in the next two to three years – we're picking, we're picking Mets every time. But I think if you look at the competitiveness of both these sports and how the outline, how the landscapes are going to lay out, mm. you look at the Jets and you say lots of young, new acquisitions that if they can work out, their stock will go up. Patriots dynasty on its way out. Division, wide open. AFC, wide open. Jets, might have a shot. You look at the Mets, you look at their division, look how contested the division is. Look at, you, you it's... You know, it's everybody except for the Marlins. You probably, or yeah, that you you'd put up there as maybe making it as the top of the division. So the Mets have to deal with more competition. I mean, the Philadelphia Phillies have just signed a bunch of studs to their lineups. So you you look at the future of both these teams and the competitiveness of where they are. 
I think the Jets have a more open slot in the next few years, depending on when Brady goes. I'm not confident in Adam Gaze and the GM of the New York Jets, whatever his name is. Mac. However, we, I call him. I call him Mac. Mac. And right. I would have to disagree with you because I think Mac has done a good job. His back's against the wall. His seat is super hot. That's he, what I'm saying. His he, he made a lot of these signings that he had to do. He spent the money. Personally, I don't care which one of these teams win a championship first. I will sell one of my kidneys to watch one of these teams win a championship well, over the next couple years. Hanky Panky for an I will sell year. a kidney before that. Really? Yeah, you only need one kidney to survive. <laughs> <laughs> no way, yeah. dude. No way. Yeah. Yes, you do. You only need one I, kidney I to survive. I am not. I'm not going under the needle. Screw that. They knock you out. Who cares? You won't even care. feel I it. Give, I don't give a damn. Whatever. I hate going to the bathroom anyway. So then I have to go to the bathroom each time, like every 20 minutes. I don't, think, it's, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think it, yeah, the kidney is in your bladder. Yeah. I think uh, you're thinking you, of your bladder there. We don't have right, two good. bladders. Yeah. Right. Good thing you're a journalism major, not like a bio uh, or a health like major. I explained to Drew and Nate earlier. Once I discard football, nothing else matters. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. All right, I got a what will happen first for you, and it's a doozy. All right? So what will happen first? The Browns win a Super Bowl with their brand-new receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., or the Giants let go of Eli Manning, which will happen first? Because this is a contested thing. Some people say the Browns are Super Bowl contenders, and some people say the Giants could keep Eli for the next two years. So I think Eli will get let go before the Browns win the Super Bowl. I, I'm still skeptical whether or not the Browns will make the playoffs this year. I'm going to disagree that the Browns won't make the playoffs because I think they will, but they're still young with Baker. Maybe they will win a Super Bowl, but maybe not right now. And Clearly, Eli is going to be here this year. We don't know where he's going to be next year. So if he's gone next year, I would say that that's going to happen first because I think maybe the Browns maybe need two to three years to win a championship, to be real championship contenders. But also at the same time, I don't know when the Giants are going to let go of Eli, but it seems like I think David Gettleman is gone after this year. And I think once Gettleman is gone, that's when the next GM is going to realize, look, Eli, you've done a lot for us, but your time is done. I'm getting rid of you. I think Gettleman just tied to Eli for some strange reason, which is weird because he didn't draft him. He didn't develop him. It's he the did, connection of Ernie Acorsi. Yeah, he, he didn't win a championship with him. It's just a really weird situation. Maybe he just feels like once he lets go of Eli, he loses the team and the fans, which I really think he lost the fans already, a lot of them. I have fan, friends who said they're not even rooting for the Giants anymore because they're so upset yeah. about how so things they are. So family that are it's just, it's just going weird. down 95 and becoming Eagles fans. Not no. even Jets fans. They're like, screw the Jets. Well, I, I would understand that. If I was a it's Jets funny. fan and I wanted to leave, I wouldn't go to the Giants. It's yeah. kind of just, you know, awkward. Yeah, that's like kissing your sister. You just don't <laughs> do it. <laughs> it's like kissing I don't know if I would go that far, but wherever floats your boat. Okay, I've got a good one for you guys. What will happen first? Aaron Rodgers wins a second Super Bowl or Tom Brady wins a seventh Super Bowl? In my opinion, I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers wins a second Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Just because I think Aaron Rodgers right now, he's pissed that this article came out about him, this whole dysfunction, and I will never be a guy that bets against Aaron Rodgers. And I think he's going what? to have a great year. <laughs> Why? It's so smart to bet against Aaron Rodgers. Why? Isn't it funny how we, we have a we have a debate over which one of these guys is better? And it's well, where I'm Tom reading Brady is sec, second Super Bowl or seventh Super Bowl. Isn't oh, yeah. that insane? Well, it's decorated. But then you right. gotta you gotta also go into it and look at it and say how many conference championships have they been to? Aaron Rodgers has been to one. The year he went to the Super Bowl. The year he won the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has never been, has been in one conference championship game. So to bet against Aaron Rodgers, the really? guy who's won, the guy that's not true. He's I, been in. Yeah, I thought it was the Seattle Seahawks. The that Seahawks, he lost to. the Falcons, he lost yeah. to, and then the year they won it. No, I thought the Falcon, the Falcons year was divisional. No, wasn't that it? was conference. They, when, the, oh wait, the and Falcons no, the, no, beat the Seahawks. Won. He's 
he, that was a the one when they gave up that yeah, one fifteen at, point comeback. He beat in four the minutes. Falcons that blew him out when the Falcons played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and, and Oh fall. yeah, yeah, yeah. The forty four and then, 21 yeah. and then they lost to Seattle and they won I forgot who they beat the so year. Been, he's been in three. I forgot the year, and then no the and, yes, and then yeah. they won. They won the Super Bowl that one year, so he's obviously in it that year. Yeah. I forgot who he beat that year, but in I think 20, it might have been Atlanta in, too. In 2011, they beat Atlanta because that was the last year of Tony Gonzalez. Right. So they 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 beat Atlanta. They lost to Atlanta, and then they lost to Seattle. Yes. Okay. Because so that's when Seattle played New England, right? Mm-hmm. And they lost. Yeah. No, 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 no. Denver, and they blew their. Denver. Asses okay. Off. Yeah. Yep. Now, now see, he's been in three, but. He's finished third in this division the past two years. I'm just saying, for you to say, I won't bet against Aaron Rodgers, you have no credence to say that. People say, I won't bet against LeBron James because he went to the NBA Finals eight straight years. So, like, people have said, I'm not going to— well, In this circumstance where he's getting doubted so much, where he's getting literally crucified in Green Bay, I just don't see— I'd see Brady winning before him, personally. I don't it's because— It's so much easier for Brady The to AFC win. got a lot tougher. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah but it, last year uh, there was some amazing it, guy named Patrick Mahomes and some great offense for the Kansas City Chiefs that couldn't beat Tom Brady. I think, I think if the question was who will reach a Super Bowl first, I think it would be the Patriots. But in order to win a Super Bowl, I think the Patriots have what it takes. Look, they're the, they're the kings. Until someone dethrones them, they're the kings. This is their dynasty. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't the Eagles dethrone them? Well, I'm talking about in the AFC. I'm talking about I'm talking about in, in, in I'm talking about in the AFC at least. Then I would say the Patriots. But as far as winning a championship goes, I think I think Lafleur and and Rodgers will have a nice connection. And I think what we're seeing at this new regime in the the Packers front office is they're getting they're getting Aaron Rodgers weapons. I think they're going to draft a, a wide receiver in the first round, give him another weapon opposite side of Devontae Adams. They've done a great job getting guys on the defensive side of the ball. ball Zaire Smith, Preston Smith, getting pass rushers for that defense, which is something that they never really was really high on in years prior. So I think the Packers, as long as the relationship between LaFleur and Rodgers is good, which John and I talked about on our show today, we think they'll have a nice relationship. I think the Packers will be in the Super Bowl maybe in the next two or three years. Maybe even this year they go back if if all things are good. I can't see another playoffs for the third year in a row without Aaron Rodgers. I just can't see that. That's all she wrote for Episode 10 of Philly vs. the World from Chris Kofsky, John Iliano, and Drew Bishop. We thank you for listening and have a fantastic week, everybody. It's freaking nice. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse to the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more.